Well, a very pleasant good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC, a weekly presentation of the station providing information from yours truly, John McCooley, former law librarian for Wright and Sherwood Counties, uh, information on our court system, information that might help you find a form or maybe some legal resource, or maybe you're writing a paper about a particular issue if you're a student, and those kinds of things that make it easier for you as a citizen to find various legal resources. We do not give legal advice. We give only legal information that is available readily to our general public. To reach an attorney, you need to remember the Minnesota State Bar Association. That's 612-333-1183. You can also find them online at helpdesk at mnbar.org. You contact the lawyers when you need legal advice. And or if you've been served with papers, then you have a problem and you need to act on it quickly. So contact an attorney for that. Otherwise, if you're just looking for everyday, basic, common information that can help anyone understand our legal system from the perspective of a law librarian or a former law librarian, I can help you. I used to do that hours and hours, and I enjoyed it very much from 1995 to about 2012 here in Wright County. I had a great time uh, working for the Law Library Board here, and their concern was to allow the public to come into the library and find the information they need simply because more and more people are using their own resources to try to find legal information. Information is practical. It can really help you. Of course, with coronavirus, we don't have our law, uh, free law clinics anymore. Hopefully, when things settle down, we can resume that. The county did, was very pleased with the amount of um, Oh, information that was given out and the great help to the public in gathering information so that the, that helps avoid legal misunderstandings and procedural errors and so on and so forth. There's nothing more frustrating than when someone comes in the law library and it's about one o'clock and they're all upset because they missed a nine o'clock hearing. They simply did not get a chance or did not look at closely enough the time of the hearing. They misread it. So it's that kind of thing that causes a lot of uh, frustration to the consumers and the participants, and it also uh, just loads up the system because you've already went through all the paperwork and you've got to start all over again. So, so knowledge is power, some very basic things to understand. And uh, today, we want to try to understand a little bit more about uh, the system and the subject of hearsay. What is hearsay? It's been around for a long time in law, and District Court Judge Greg Galler is going to talk about that a little bit and explain why there are so many exceptions to the hearsay rules and why they're so specialized. Last week, if you were listening, you might have heard uh, Judge Gregory Galler, talk about the costs of a DWI, a staggering amount. And that, of course, was aired by request. And today, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey 
is going to be talking about speed zone traffic violations. That's very important because there's road construction here on 94, and I understand there's going to be some road construction along 24 south of Monticello. So we have to be aware of that. And of course, a little update on some resources that can help you understand school bus safety. Kids are back in school, and I know the other day it was, geez, out of the fog came this big bus, and I didn't expect it because our children are long gone and from school days, but uh, I noticed that you could barely see the lights. So uh, it was really hard, I'm sure, for the drivers and for the bus drivers and all the people involved, but most importantly, we're trying to protect the kids, and the State Patrol has some great information on YouTube that you can go on and take a look at various things that help you understand uh, things. For example, using bus signals when and when not used, and street crossings are things that a school bus driver is required to know. And how do you know that? Well, just go to Minnesota Statutes 169.443, Safety of School Children by Bus Drivers. That's the basic statute that outlines the rules we have to follow. It's very important, especially the moving the bus after children have unloaded. And I bring this up because you might find it a little more, uh, take the stress off of getting the kids on the bus, especially the young ones and new ones. They're pretty nervous about that first day in school. And it's just something that you might feel more comfortable once you know how to find the various laws so you can more intelligently understand them and why they were written. And also, it also outlines the responsibilities of the drivers to be sure to stop when that uh, stop arm is down and the kids are unloading. Oh, it's extremely dangerous out there sometimes, and uh, it's scary. So you might want to check it out. If their videos are on YouTube, the Minnesota State Patrol school bus stop arm video, and you can uh, just punch it up on Google and find it on YouTube, and you'll find a lot more information on school rules concerning buses and safety on our roads. There's a uh, another site that you can find. It's a video on uh, road rules for drivers near school buses at cbslocal, cbslocal.com, C-O-M. It's all lowercase, and it'll give you a, a great understanding about what you as a driver near a school bus should be aware of. What else is uh, happening? Well, we'll give you a little update. If you're looking for more information on the subject of COVID-19, invite you to check out the Wright County Government Center website. It's a website titled Wright County COVID-19 Dashboard. And there you'll find all the latest statutes, or rather status of a excuse me, a variety of different kinds of uh, data, how to interpret it. You'll find information on current age groups from, um, from about 20 years old all the way up to 80, and interesting uh, statistics on the situation of where these uh, viruses might have been originated, what are the total numbers of cases, and so on and so forth. 
Anyway, check it out. It's Wright County COVID-19 dashboard for all the information. The total confirmed cases in Wright County to date is 1,406 with 1,321 no longer needing medical attention at this time. So that's an update on COVID. If you want to know more about it, check it out again right at the Wright County Government Center website where you'll also find information on court services, court uh, hearings, what have you. They're up to date on what they allow and what they don't. And rather than convey and get information um, maybe um, in error, just call them directly. That's the way to do it. Well, let's take a break and listen to District Court Judge Greg Galler as he talks about the subject of hearsay. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. Courts have rules to control the types of evidence to be considered in court cases. The intent is to allow only that evidence which is most likely to be reliable and trustworthy. Since at least the late 1600s, hearsay evidence has been considered to be a less reliable type of evidence. Exceptions to the hearsay rule exist, but only in narrowly defined circumstances believed to promote reliability and trustworthiness. Hearsay evidence is when someone in court shares something that was stated by someone else outside of court. It amounts to telling someone else's tale. An example will help to illustrate. Punchy Pete is accused of hitting Vinnie victim in a bar. Because of his injuries, Vinnie doesn't remember what happened. At trial, Wally Witness testifies that he was in the bar and personally saw Pete punch Vinny. This is direct evidence. Wally's statement, I saw Pete punch Vinny, is a statement made in court. It is not hearsay. Now, imagine Wally does not testify in court. Instead, hearsay Harry testifies. He states, I was not at the bar, but Wally told me that he saw Pete punch Vinny. This is hearsay. Harry is not testifying about something he witnessed. Instead, he is testifying to what Wally told him. Unless a specific hearsay exception applies, the testimony by Harry would not be allowed in court. There are a number of reasons for this. First, witnesses testifying in court are sworn and legally bound by penalty of perjury to tell the truth. Out-of-court statements are not. Wally has no legal obligation to be truthful when he talks to hearsay Harry outside of court. Equally important, Pete has a right to cross-examine Wally to test the basis of his testimony. Cross-examination generally focuses on four main areas. Did the person perceive what is described accurately? Is the person's memory trustworthy? Can the person accurately convey what they purport to know? And does the person have any other motive or bias that may affect what is said? Pete's cross-examination of Wally might ask him, How close to the fight were you? Were others blocking your view? Had you been drinking? Were you intoxicated? Who threw the first punch? Was Pete defending himself? And isn't it true that Vinny is your cousin and you owe him money? Only a witness with direct knowledge can be cross-examined to test what they're saying. The law has an adage that says, Cross-examination is the greatest legal engine ever invented for the discovery of truth. Hearsay Harry could not be cross-examined in a meaningful way. To any cross-examination question, Harry's only answer would be, All I know is what Wally told me. 
such a cross-exam would not go far toward learning the truth. A lot can be at stake in a court case. Courts recognize that the more at stake, the more important it is to allow only the most trustworthy evidence. Accordingly, hearsay evidence, described historically as a tale from another person's mouth, has long been prohibited as it is a much less reliable form of evidence. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. You're listening to Legal Happenings here on KRWC this Sunday morning. If you'd like to reach me, John McCooley, the volunteer host of this program, I invite you to write me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd love to hear from you, as we do hear from a number of people, asking various questions, trying to find simple forms and or where to find them. You know, that's the biggest problem with 6,000 volumes in our old library. No one could know all of that, but we knew where to find the answer to most of it, and that's what a lot of legal research is all about. Where are you going to go to find out what the answer is to your particular issue, or how do you do a particular thing? How do you follow the building codes, and what are some of those codes that are required by the authorities? So... There's a lot to know about things, but what we do on this program is give out some basic information that can help you. For example, if you're looking to increase child support or maybe even collect child support, you need to check out the Minnesota Judicial Branch website. That website, of course, is the premier website of this, our entire 87 counties here in Minnesota. And there you'll find anything that pertains to self-help folks. It, and beyond that, but most of us wouldn't understand a lot of it because it's orientated toward an attorney. But you would find forms that can help you understand jury duty, or maybe you want to learn more about alternative dispute resolution, a very important part of law that can help solve matters without having to go to court necessarily and uh, expending a lot of money that a lot of folks don't have these days. So, uh, you can find the forms for child support right on the forms section. If you'll just click on it, there's a listing from adoption, I think all the way down to subpoenas, and you can look for divorces, you can look for um, cost of living adjustments, etc. And familiarize yourself with it if you're having a problem because that's the forms that you can get. Begin to work on them, flag those questions that you don't know about, and then Contact an attorney to get an answer if you're totally lost uh, in the thing. Because it can be if you get emotionally involved. As you know, it's hard to think straight. So, uh, But the good place to start is the Minnesota Judicial Branch website for a lot of information. Just if you're exploring things and you just want to know what's available. A lot there. So it's time to take a short break and listen to District Court Judge Stephen Halsey as he talks about what it's going to cost us when we fly through and get stopped at a construction site. Welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC Radio. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court, chambered in Buffalo. I'm going to talk today about work zone 
violators and how they face hefty fines. The traditional saying is that Minnesota has two seasons, winter and road construction. Major construction projects have begun throughout the eight counties of the 10th Judicial District, as well as numerous smaller projects. In Buffalo right now, we have two pro or one project that is about to be completed, and then a major project in uh, downtown Buffalo. These projects now display a large and clear sign warning of $300 fines for violations of the posted work zone speed limit. Why is that? Over the past few years, there have been numerous traffic construction zone accidents in which construction workers have been killed or seriously injured. I recall that two highway workers were killed by a speeder in Burnsville in 2011 in a work construction zone. Minnesota had nine work zone fatalities in 2013, and there were 579 nationwide. The Minnesota legislature in 2014 passed Minnesota Statute Section 169.14, Subdivision 6A, which provides a $75 surcharge in addition to the scheduled fine for violations. The total fine for speeding in a work zone is $385. That is $385. You would think that this would be an incentive for drivers to comply with the posted speed limit, even if they are not compelled to slow down in the interest of the safety of the construction workers. But many do not, as you probably have observed. I have driven several times recently through the I-94 construction zone in Rogers, where it crosses the Crow River into Wright County from Hennepin County. It is posted 60 miles per hour for the most part and 45 miles per hour through two short S-curves. There is basically no shoulder, and with the cranes and trucks, it is clearly a live construction zone. Some drivers seem to conclude that the posted speed limit does not apply if they see no workers, and that is certainly not the case. Several times I have been passed by cars and large semi-trucks traveling 10 to 15 miles per hour over the posted work zone speed limit, endangering everyone else and risking a hefty fine. As an example, if you are driving 11 to 14 miles per hour over the speed limit, not in a work zone, the fine and surcharges total $135. If you are speeding 20 to 25 miles per hour over the speed limit, the total is $225 due to an additional $70. However, in a work zone, any speeding is a whopping $385. So good luck trying to argue to the judge that you can't afford such a hefty fine. So please, fellow citizens, drivers, and listeners, slow down obey the posted work zone speed limit. The workers will appreciate it, as will the other drivers. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court. These are my comments about work zone uh, speed violators facing hefty fines. I'm chambered in Buffalo. Thank you for listening to Legal Happenings. District Court Judge Stephen Halsey has been instrumental in putting on these legal commentaries here on KRWC over the last six years or so, and we thank him for that. If you have a question or comment, again, you are invited to write me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com, lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'm John McCooley. I'm retired somewhat. Um, not totally. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot of people have questions, and so I get a chance to talk to people uh, via email. And those who are looking for a particular form or 
might remember the old days when we uh, would chat in the law library over various issues. And I met a lot of great folks. In fact, everybody I met was good folks. They uh, just want to learn more information. And more and more people are gaining the confidence to be able to go in and get forms, fill them out, work with them, and try to learn more about our judicial system because knowledge is power and it makes it a lot easier for the parties involved, easier on the courts when we all kind of know the basic law. I know there are many, many books, and I don't know if anyone really could know all about it, but as I mentioned earlier, it's a matter of knowing where to look for something. For example, if you want to file a complaint with a, a particular company, it happens to be maybe out of state, it's, I would urge you to check out USAGov. USAGov is a website of our government that puts on um, numerous, well, it lists all the 120-some programs that are available to consumers that they perhaps don't even know about. But filing a consumer complaint is one that I singled out because it might be something you'd be interested in. It has an infographic, how to file a consumer complaint page that can easily walk you through it. It's plain language. It'll show you the steps to file a complaint against a company, file a complaint against an online purchase, dispute resolution programs, as we mentioned earlier, a very important area, and mandatory arbitration clauses. These are just the beginnings of some plain language information that you really need to know, and it's not that hard to understand. You will also, if you will, browse by topic, hundreds of articles from the USA about our popular government programs and services, and they're all organized by topic. So maybe you're looking for a student loan, maybe you're looking for some housing, what have you. It's a great place to start, and it'll give you some search tips and uh, it's just really a good place to learn something about programs that are available and filing a complaint as well. Well, it's uh, time to wrap things up here on Legal Happenings for another week. I can't believe how quickly the few mom moments that we have together go, but I do hope that uh, you're wearing your mask, that you are keeping your distance, and you are... Uh, staying safe, we wash our hands, we do all those kinds of things because what we're really doing is being kind to our neighbor to prevent sharing any viruses that we have unknowingly with someone else. So we, in our family, wear them only because we don't want to get anyone uh, to catch anything we may or may not have. I know it's difficult, and it's a difficult time for all of us, but hey, we're we're tough. We're tough, and we'll get through this, and we'll keep the faith and just keep pushing on. And I wish everybody a great day. And if you, again, if you have a question or comment, please let me know at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd love to hear from you. And until then, have a great day and God bless all of you. <laughs>